welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Stand your feet. We're just going to ask God's blessing upon the word. I promise I won't preach long today. If you'll listen fast, I'll preach quick. How's that sound? <laughs> Father, thank you so much for this glorious day. This is the day that you truly have made, and we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And Lord, we thank you for your word because your word is an incorruptible seed. It's an incorruptible seed. That means every time we sow it, it grows. It's not a faulty seed. It's an incorruptible seed. So God, today we're going to sow the good seed of your word into our hearts. And our hearts are going to receive it. And when our hearts receive it, that seed is going to take root and produce fruit in our life. And fruit that will remain. And God, we're going to give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. And before you're seated, turn to neighbor, give somebody a high five or a fist bump and say, I'm ready to receive. And then you may be seated. Hallelujah. As pastor said, I do a lot of traveling. Last year, I was six months out of 12 uh, traveling across the country. I'm just finishing up a little over 30-day ministry trip. In September, I leave and go from the East Coast to the West Coast, and I'll be gone for two months, and then I'll be back down here for the winter. So I'm gone about six out of 12 months away from home. And if there's one thing I can tell you, pretty much every time you go on a trip, there's always the unexpected turn. The unexpected turn, amen? Amen. Uh, whether it be the GPS had to recalculate, whether it be uh, somebody gave you just some bad directions, or you know whether your water pill kicked in, I don't know. But it's always, it always seems to be that when you go on a journey, when you go on a trip, there's an unexpected turn. Well, how many know life is a journey? My well, life is a journey, and life is full of unexpected turns. Life is not going to turn out just the way you think. Come on, how many of you can wave at me and say, I've experienced an unexpected turn? Yes, every one of us. We've all experienced unexpected turns, amen? Sometimes, sometimes it's not what we did that caused it. Sometimes, you know, it's other people's stupidity. Now, sometimes it is our own stupidity. Come on, say amen if you resemble that. Yeah. <laughs> My dumb decision got me into this mess, and now I have to make this unexpected turn. But sometimes it's not what we have done. Sometimes it's what other people have done. And sometimes it's just things that we literally had no control over. But life is full of unexpected turns. How many have ever heard of a movie producer, film director by the name of Steven Spielberg? You almost have to live under rock not to know who he is. Did you know that Steven Spielberg applied three times to a top film college and all three times was rejected, so he never went. Now, did he let that unexpected turn deter him in life? Now, he just got a low-level paying job at a film studio and he worked and he worked and he worked until finally one day somebody noticed his gifts and his talents and the rest is history. You might have heard of a guy by the name of Milton Hershey. Did you know that Milton Hershey started three candy businesses and every one of them failed? But his fourth one has been a sweet success. Amen. Maybe you've heard of a guy by the name of Theodore Geisel. We know him as Dr. Seuss, one of America's most beloved children's authors. Did you know his first book was rejected 27 
times. But he did not let the unexpected turns of life define him. Maybe you've heard of a basketball legend by the name of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was actually kicked off his high school basketball team and told, you're really not that good. He went home and locked himself in his bedroom and he cried, but he didn't stay there. He learned to handle the unexpected turns of life. Maybe you've heard of a guy by the name of Walt Disney. Walt Disney was actually fired from his newspaper job, and here's the reason why. You lack imagination, and you have no creative ideas. Can you imagine somebody telling that to Walt Disney? I could go on with stories like this all day, but I think you get the point. No one ever sets out to fail. We don't set out to be jobless. We don't set out to be homeless. We don't set out to be poor or broke or, or, or divorced. We don't set out to do those things, but life comes with unexpected turns. I even think about, about Jesus and, and, and the, the surroundings of him coming onto the, on the scene. Here's Mary. Now think about this. Mary is a teenage virgin who's told she's going to have a baby. Now, if you don't think that's an unexpected turn, yeah. But she knew that God had a plan for her life. And then, of course, when they are in Bethlehem, Jesus is not born in a fancy hotel. He's not born in the comforts of home, but he is born in a stable and laid in a manger. And then he and Joseph and Mary have to flee and live as refugees for the first 12 years of his life. And then you talk about an unexpected turn. Remember the time they left him behind? Come on, parents, anytime you feel like, you know, you're not that great of a parent, just remember, if you didn't leave your kid for over a day. Come on, the scripture says they went a whole day's journey before they realized he's nowhere around. So if they went a whole day's journey away, they had to come a whole day's journey back. Two days they left their kid and didn't know where he was. Come on, that was an unexpected turn. But you know what the Bible tells me? The Bible tells me that Jesus was faced with the same kind of temptations that you and I are faced with every day. That means Jesus was faced with the temptation to quit, to give up, to throw in the towel, to become apathetic, and to become uncaring. And listen, Jesus, he could have decided to settle for failure. He could have stayed in a valley of hopelessness and despair, but that's not what he did, and that's not what other great men throughout history have done. What they did was they learned how to handle the unexpected turns of life, and I just want to take just a brief moment to share with you three truths that will help us handle the unexpected turns of life. Are you ready? Number one, failure is not final. Failure's not final. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. Failure's not final. Look at your other neighbor and tell them that. Listen, just because you fail at something doesn't mean it's final. Did you know that most successful people in life have had multiple failures? Did you know that most rich millionaires have had at least one or two bankruptcies? Yeah, failure is not final. Listen, the only way that it becomes final is if I choose to stay there. That's when it becomes final. Now, you may not enjoy the place where you are in life right now, but that does not mean you have to stay there. You can get back up on your feet. You can put your hand back to the plow one more time. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And you don't have to just go through it, but you can Grow through it. 
Come on, sometimes we have to do some introspection and say to ourselves, how did I get in this mess? Because if we don't do some introspection, we may find that next month or next year or next week, we're going to be in the exact same spot. Come on. So we have to do some self-evaluation. We have to look at how did I get here, and that may cause us to have to change some things so that we're not here next week. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 24. He says, a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will rise again. That's a good word. Sometimes we think the righteous have it made in the shade and nothing bad ever happens to them. But Solomon said the righteous, they're going to fall over and over again. But what makes them different is they get back up. Come on, folks. Anybody can give up. Come on. Even a dead fish can go with the flow. Anybody can let the circumstances of life overwhelm them. But listen, true winners will overcome the failures of life. Let me tell you a story about a man that I know you know who he is, but maybe you really don't know his story. Listen to his story. In the year 1816, this man was only seven years old, and he and his family were forced out of their family home, and he had to go get a job at age seven in order to support the family. Two years later, his mother dies, and that drastically affects his life. In 1831, he thought he would try his hand in business, and he failed. In 1832, he thought he would try his hand in politics, but he failed. In the same year, he lost his job. Now, he wanted to go to law school, but he couldn't get accepted into law school. So in 1833, he thought, I'm going to borrow money from a friend, and I'm going to try this business thing again. Well, the business went bankrupt, and he spent the next 17 years of his life paying off those debts. In 1835, he was engaged to be married, but his fiance died. In 1836, he had a total nervous breakdown and was in bed for six months. In 1838, he sought to become Speaker of the state legislature. He was defeated. In 1840, he sought for another political position, and he was defeated. In 1843, he ran for Congress and lost. In 1846, he ran for Congress again. This time he won, but two years later, he failed to get reelected. In 1849, he sought for another position but was rejected. In 1854, he ran for U.S. Senate and lost. In 1856, he sought the VP nomination of his party's national convention and lost. In 1858, he ran for U.S. Senate again and he lost. Now, most of us would be saying, buddy, somehow you've got something wrong with you, right? But listen, two years later, in 1860, he was elected the 16th president of the United States. None other than Abraham Lincoln. Folks, I'm here to tell you that the pain of failing is not designed to stop you. The pain of failing is to produce in you a backbone to see if you've got what it takes to succeed. Because if you think failing is hard, try succeeding. Because I'm telling you, a life of success will be a life that will have a lot of pain. And if you cannot handle the temporary pain of a failure, you will never handle the continued pains that come with success. So failure is not final. It's not the end. It's just the proving ground to see if you've got what it takes to succeed. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's pretty good. Number two, setbacks are often setups. Setbacks 
are often set ups. Listen, most successful people will tell you that they've learned this truth firsthand. A lot of the setbacks that come to us in life are just setups in disguise. That stumbling block that you thought was there to trip you up has now become the stepping stone to get you to the next level. It's just like a bow and an arrow. If I have a bow and an arrow and I put the arrow in the bow and I just kind of hold it there and then let go, the arrow usually does what? Falls out. But if I put it in there and then pull it back and let go, what happens? Oh, it goes a whole lot further than it was just there by itself. Listen, some of you are in a position in your life right now where you feel like God is pulling you back, pulling you back, pulling you back. Why am I going back, back, back? Listen, God's just about to launch you into something that you never dreamed of and you'd never be able to get there on your own, but he's going to take you there. Amen? The setbacks of life are often setups in disguise. I don't have time to tell you all the backstories, but listen, Welch's grape juice is the product of a setback. The ice cream cone is the product of a setback. The telephone, the light bulb, ivory soap, Gatorade. These are all products that we enjoy that are definitely products of a setback. Don't think that the setbacks of life have come to destroy you. Most of the time, they're just a setup in disguise. Let me tell you an example of one. There's a young little boy by the name of David. David is just a little teenager, and he's out in the shepherd uh, in the sheep out in the fold watching the sheep, and he's just a shepherd. Now that's the that's the job you give to the runt of the litter. He's got older brothers that are more gifted than him, better looking than him, more talented than him. He is the least of his father's household. And he's out just doing his thing, living his life. And one day, the prophet comes to David's dad and says, Jesse, gather all of your kids because today God's going to choose one of your sons to be the next king of Israel. How do you think David felt when he didn't get the invite? Now think about that. Jesse thought so little of his son that he did not even invite him to the meeting. What rejection. What a setback to think that your own dad doesn't even consider you a son when the prophet says bring all your kids to the house. But listen, David could have gotten bitter, but he didn't. He realized that the setback was just a set up in disguise. And he waited for God to reveal it. Come on, you know the story. In a short time, God reveals the plan. David is sent by his father to go to where the battle is, where his brothers are in the army. And he's sent with bread and cheese, probably sauce. It was probably pizza. So he's a pizza delivery boy bringing pizza to his brothers on the battlefield. And while he's there delivering the pizza, he hears the taunting words of Goliath. And while everybody else is shaking in their boots, something rises up inside of David. And he goes out on that battlefield with just his sling. And he puts a stone in that sling. And listen, everybody says the giant is too big. But let me tell you, David says he's too big to miss. Come on. And he knocked that giant out and then pulled that giant sword out of its sheath and cut off his head. Notice that's not the part we tell the Bible schools. Out in Sunday school, we don't tell them that part, do we? But listen, that setback became a set up. Why? Because since he took off Goliath's head, he now has some benefits. He gets to marry the king's daughter. Ooh. 
He is now son-in-law to the king. And check this out. He never has to pay taxes again. (laughs) Come on. Some of us, if we were told that, that would have helped us get on the battlefield. Amen? Listen, I'm here to tell you this. Winning usually follows losing. The setbacks of life are often setups in disguise. Do not let the unexpected turns of life and the setbacks stop you in your tracks. Failure is not final. Just rise up, shake off the dirt, and move on. And last one I want to share with you real quick. Number three, I know it's not proper English, but let me say it this way. It ain't over till it's over. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. It ain't over till it's over. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's going to happen. Listen, folks, there's always going to be forces that are going to try to get you to settle for right where you are. There's always going to be people that are going to encourage you to throw in the towel and to give up. But I'm here to tell you it is never too late for you to be all that God has called you to be. The true mark of a successful person is they do not quit, they do not give up, and they do not surrender. Now, as nice and warm as it is here in North Carolina, you still do not live in an environment that would handle the natural habitat of the bamboo tree. But let's just imagine for a moment that we live in a climate that can handle a bamboo tree, and I give you all a bamboo tree as your gift today. Now, you you know what I'm talking about, the little green stalk. It's got tiny little leaves on it. Find it at the Chinese restaurant in the fishbowl. It's got all those roots down there. Okay. So I give you one as a gift. Everybody gets one today, and you take it home because you now live in an environment that will handle this, and you plant it in your yard. Did you know for the first five years, you would see nothing happening to your bamboo tree? You would say to yourself, that evangelist gave me a dud. My tree is broke. (laughs) Nothing's happening to it. Did you know for the first five years of a bamboo tree's life, nothing is happening above ground. All the action is below ground. The roots are growing deep, 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 deep into the ground. Why? Because in the sixth year of a bamboo tree, it can grow up to 50 feet in one year. That's a perfect example of it ain't over till it's over. Come on, some of you are in a place where it looks like everything is lost. It looks like the fat lady is about to sing. It looks like it's never going to come back. There's never going to be a comeback. I'm telling you, it ain't over till it's over. I love history. When we travel around, I like to try to go to someplace historical, check out a museum or something of that nature. And I think one of the most famous naval heroes of America during the Revolutionary War. It's a guy by the name of John Paul Jones. Does that name ring a bell from your history classes? John Paul Jones, this great naval American hero, is in a battle one day, not with one British warship, but with two. It's not going very well. Here's the scene of what's happening. They're out on the Atlantic Ocean. His ship has been so pummeled and so beaten, it is now sinking into the ocean. It is on fire, and somebody gets the bright idea that we should go down and release all the prisoners because they shouldn't be chained up to drown as the ship sinks. So now just picture this. You're on deck, and all these prisoners of war running around. The ship is on fire, and it's slowly sinking into the ocean. Doesn't look very good, does it? 
probably not a situation you want to be in. And one of the captains of one of the British ships yells across to John Paul Jones and says, Are you ready to surrender? Now most of us would have said, Give me amnesty. Promise not to kill me. Let's negotiate. <laughs> it's not what John Paul Jones said. You know what he said? He said, I have not yet begun to fight. Woo! That man's brave or stupid. Come on. Let's go with bravery. Amen. And in just a few moments, this early-style hand grenade explodes near a pile of munitions, and the explosion is so loud and so devastating that the British are caught off guard, and John Paul Jones is able to hop on the British ship, take control of the British ship, and watch his own ship sink into the ocean, but he gains the victory for the battle. Folks, it ain't over till it's over. How many have ever heard of a guy by the name of John Wesley? Founder of the Methodist Church. Now, sometimes we look at these great preachers of history and great preachers of faith, and we think, wow, well, man, it was so easy for them. Not really. Let me just read to you some excerpts from his personal diary. This is his personal diary of what John Wesley wrote himself. Sunday morning, May 5th, I preached at St. Anne's. I was asked not to come back. Sunday night, May 5th, I preached at St. John's. The deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, I preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday morning, May 19th, I preached at another church, and all the deacons called a special meeting and said I could never return. That evening, I preached on the street, but I was kicked off the street. Sunday morning, May 26th, I preached in a meadow. I got chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose on me during the service. Sunday morning, June 2nd, I preached at the edge of town and I was kicked off the highway. Now, folks, once again, if we were Job's comforters, we'd be saying, John, apparently your calling is not preaching. It's been a month now and nobody wants you or your message hang up your hat. But it ain't over till it's over because that afternoon, this was his diary entry. I preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. Folks, it ain't over till it's over. The life you're living now does not have to be the life you will always live. I challenge you today not to let your failure be final. To see your setback as a setup in disguise and realize it ain't over till it's over. Because I'm telling you, if you will partner with God, he will take you to the next level. Pastor actually quoted it today, but Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That Greek word saved is the Greek word sozo. And it doesn't just mean spiritual salvation, but it means healing, protection, deliverance, and to do well in life. Jesus wants us to do well in this life. He said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. Folks, I'm telling you, life is going to have unexpected turns. And maybe you've made some wrong decisions. Maybe you have made some bad decisions. But let me tell you what. It does not matter about your past or where you have been. God is not concerned about where you have been. God is concerned about where you're going. Amen? You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. Don't ever let your past dictate your future. Today is an opportunity for you to have a fresh start, a new beginning, a do-over. Listen, 
if somebody came along with a time machine in the shape of a DeLorean and gave us the opportunity to hop behind the wheel, I'm telling you, we would all hop in it and hit 88 miles an hour because we would all want to go back in time and change something. Wouldn't we? Oh, don't look so sanctimonious at me. You know you would. There's some things you'd love to go back in time and change. But folks, you can't go back in time. I cannot change my past, but I can change my present, and I can be determined to change my future. And folks, I don't have to do life alone. See, I've got a loving God who wants to walk with me every step of the way. And one of the awesome things about God is he's already been to my future. He's already been to your future. Come on, the Bible says in Isaiah that he knows the end from the beginning. Yeah, he's already been to your future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it this way. I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a bright future. Folks, I'm telling you, God does not set you up for failure. I know some people think, oh, God is this cosmic killjoy. He's just out to get me. He's got a bucket of lightning bolts next to his throne. He's just waiting for me to screw up so that he can zap me. Well, first of all, friend, if that was true, you'd be dead by now because he's not that bad of an aim. He would have hit you already. Amen? That's not what he wants to do. 2 Corinthians 2 tells us that God always, everybody say always, always causes us, to, causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. That means no matter what I face in life, no matter what situation or what problem comes my way, when I am in Christ, I always face it from a position of victory and never a position of defeat. Amen? 1 Corinthians tells us that God gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Psalm 108 says, through our God, we shall do valiantly. First John says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. So I'm telling you, church, it's time to get your chin up, get your head up, get your shoulders back, get your chest out, because you are on the side of victory. And when life wants to hand you lemons, just make some lemonade. Amen? Jesus never promised you an easy life, but he promised he would never forsake you in this life. So we have a choice today. I can choose to let my failures and my losses in life define me. Or I can rise up from the ashes of defeat. Let me tell you something that has really helped me greatly in life. And I hope it will help you and you might even want to jot it down. Let me tell you this. I'm telling you, if you get this in your spirit, it will really help you out. Never confuse how you feel. Or what you do with who you are. Never confuse how you feel and what you do with who you are. You may have failed. That does not make you a failure. You may have experienced loss. That does not make you a loser. Folks, God calls us by what he sees us. And he always sees us through the blood of Jesus. And so he calls us by what he sees. Amen? So, folks, I've got a choice when I wake up in the morning, and you've got a choice when you wake up in the morning. You can either wear the label that the world wants to put upon you. Loser, failure, broken, damaged, misfit. Or you can choose to wear the label that you put upon you. And sometimes those labels are worse than the world. Or you can choose to wear the label that God puts upon you. 
folks, I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose God's label. Because he's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should change his mind about me. Amen? So I can either accept defeat or I can refuse defeat. I can accept failure or I can refuse to submit to failure. I can accept what the naysayers are saying and I can declare through faith that I'm rejecting what they're saying and I'm going to receive what God is saying. Amen? Folks, no one can force you into failure. You have to go on your own. And no one can force you to stay there. Nobody can force you to quit or give up. That's something that only you can do on your own. I pray today that you learn these truths that failure is not final. Setbacks are often setups and it ain't over till it's over. And that you realize today that God has placed a dream inside of you. And he wants you to go forth and live in victory and accomplish everything he's put in your heart. Would you stand to your feet? Pastor Kevin, if you'd come to the piano. God wants to go on this adventure with you. But let me tell you this. He's not going as your co-pilot. He's not going as your co-pilot. He wants to go as your shepherd. He's going to lead you beside still waters. I'm going to ask for heads to be bowed and eyes to be closed for just a moment. I want you to just shut yourself in with God. We've got plenty of time. It's not even 20 after yet, so we're good. But some of you, as I've been talking today and sharing these things, some of you, your mind is just flooded with all the dumb stuff you've done. And when it comes to dumb stuff, I can say like Paul said, I am the chief. <laughs> Man, I'm so thankful social media did not exist when I was a teenager. Thank God. That my stupidity was not immortalized on social media. But none of us here are perfect. None of us have been raised in perfect homes. We all have issues. We all have things that we face. We all have baggage. We've all been damaged in some way, shape, or form. We've all failed. But none of that needs to define who we are. And if there's one thing I've learned in my nearly 30 years of preaching the gospel is that so many of God's people struggle with condemnation. They struggle with their past and dumb stuff that they've done. They struggle with their present failures. God, why do I keep committing that same sin? God, why do I keep going to that website? God, why can't I get myself out of bed and in church on Sunday morning? God, why am I such a failure? And they battle and they battle and they battle and they get to the place where they feel like it's just not worth it. I give up. Are you ready to surrender? And sadly, too many Christians say, yeah. I just can't do this on my own. I can't live this Christian life on my own. If that's you, can I say welcome to the revelation? <laughs> it's about time. It's about time you finally realized you can't make this on your own. You can't live this Christian life on your own. Come on, some of us are trapped in religion. Well, if I just read my Bible more, if I just go to church more, if I just tithe more, if I, I just you know get to Sunday school more faithfully, all will be well. Folks, Jesus said, come unto me if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, if 
You're tired of following rules and regulations and you can't seem to do it right. Come to me and I will give you rest. If your whole Christian experience is just you doing stuff, doing, 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 doing. If that's your whole Christian experience, listen, religion is spelled with two letters. I don't care if you're a Buddhist. I don't care if you're a Muslim. I don't care if you're a Shinto. All religion is spelled with two letters. D-O. Do. All religions are the same. Something you do. You be good. You behave. You stop smoking. You stop drinking. You stop being mean. It's all about what you do. That's the name of the game of religion, folks. It's all about what you do. But you know, Christianity is different. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And it's spelt with four letters. D-O-N-E. Done. And that N-E stands for nothing else. Jesus said, it's finished. I've done all the work. Come on, I don't have to labor in Christ. Come on, when I get on the highway after service today and I drive nine hours back to Pennsylvania, I guarantee you I am not going to be in a Fred Flintstone car. I'm not going to be laboring to get there. I'm going to hop on the highway. I'm going to press that button that says cruise. And I'm going to be in a seated position of rest while my car labors to get me to where I'm going. Come on. And it's the same way with Jesus. He did all the work. He did all the work. Now he's saying, come on. Hop in the car, get in your seated position of rest. And let me take you to where you need to go. You don't have to keep striving. You can be thriving. You don't have to keep laboring, but you can be entering into your rest. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to first of all ask, is there anybody here that is tired of religion? Tired of religion? And you just want a relationship with Jesus? You Maybe you don't know Him as a Savior. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to Him. Maybe you've never repented. You know, there's a big difference between Old Testament repentance and New Testament repentance. Old Testament repentance, you cried, you snotted, you slobbered, and you threw your clothes and tore them in half and put ashes on your head. It was all like an act of sorrow. New Testament repentance is not that. New Testament repentance is changing your mind about it. Saying, I was going this way, but now I realize that's not a good direction, so I turn around and I go the other way. That's why the Bible says in the New Testament, godly sorrow will lead to repentance. We're not saying you're not sorry for what you've done. Absolutely, that godly sorrow will lead you to make a different decision. Because if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. So I'm not asking you to join some self-help club. I'm not asking you to join a church or become a member of a church or stop this and quit that and don't go here and don't go there. I'm not wanting you to get into a bunch of rules and regulations. I just want to know who here wants to repent, change their thinking. The direction that your life is going right now is really not a good direction. And you want to stop and you want to turn and you want to say, Jesus, I want to go in your direction. 
that's you real quick. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just wave at me real quick. I want to see who needs Jesus. I'm not going to call you out, make you walk an aisle. I just want to know who needs Jesus. Real quick, just scanning the audience. Is there anybody here needs Jesus? Just wave at me real quick. It's possible that everybody is saved. It's possible everybody's ready to go to heaven. If that's the case, man, awesome sauce. But I want to give opportunity. Anybody at all just want to receive Jesus? You're here today, and as this message was going forth, guilt, shame, blame, condemnation all started coming into your mind because of all the crazy stuff you've done. Folks, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We just got to put the past in the past and lock the door. I can't change it, but I can change my present right now. I can make a decision that today I'm going to do things different. I'm going to realize today that failure is not final. I'm going to realize today that my setbacks are just setups in disguise. And I'm going to realize today that it ain't over till God says it's over. You say, but Tim, my dream is dead. We serve a God of the resurrection. He can bring life back to that thing that you think is dead. Because it ain't over till he says it's over. And that Greek word sozo, it's healing, it's protection, it's deliverance. So I'm going to do this because of time. I want to do this. If you're here in your body right now, there's pain, there's discomfort, there's sickness, there's illness, there's disease. Something's not right. You want to receive healing today. Right where you are, would you just lift your hands up to the Lord and surrender. Just lift them up to the Lord. And I just want to pray right now for the Spirit of God to begin to bring healing to your body. Maybe you're in a place where you're battling depression. Maybe you're battling the things of the past. May, you know, you may be here and you, some of the stuff that you've been through has been horrific. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you've, maybe you've abandoned a child. Maybe you, you feel like you're a failure. Maybe, maybe you're in sexual perversion that just you don't even want to talk about in church. The shame and the blame and the guilt is overwhelming. He's able to bring healing to that too. By his stripes we're healed. It's not just physical healing. It's emotional. It's mental. It's spiritual. Every area, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's the shalom of God. So if you just want to receive something from the Lord right now, just lift your hands to him right now. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, everyone with their hands upraised, God, I pray right now that the Spirit of God would begin to just settle on their heart. Lord, whether it's physical healing they need, God, we speak to bodies that are out of yes. order, and we command order to come into the body. We command things that are offline to come yes. online. We command healing to flow in Jesus' name, for it's by your stripes we're healed. You sent your healing. Yes. You sent your word to heal us. Healing is the children's bread. So God, let them receive it. And Father, everyone here that's battling right now with the pain of the past, the fear of the present, the concerns of the future. God, right now, we ask that the Spirit of God just begin to wash away condemnation and guilt and shame and blame. All of that stuff just go. Lord, all the bad decisions that we've made in life, the stupid stuff we've done, may we, God, stop beating ourselves up over it and realize it's under the blood of Jesus and we move on from here and we go forth in victory. For the righteous may fall seven times, but they get back up again. So, Lord, right now, help them get back up. 
Let your peace begin to pervade hearts and minds right now. The shalom of God right now begin to pervade hearts and minds. We take authority over the shame, the blame, the guilt in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God of deliverance. You're a God of restoration. You're a God of great grace for where sin abounds, grace more abounds. No matter how bad my mess-ups were, your grace is greater than my flub-ups. Your grace is greater than my mistakes. Your grace is greater than all my sin. So God, I thank you for an ocean of your grace right now to sweep across this place. And Lord, I'm asking that you heal the brokenhearted. Lord, there's people that are here that are brokenhearted. And some of them right now are just refusing to cry because they can't even, they, they, they just cannot release the dam of tears. And so they just won't cry, but they're brokenhearted. They're just brokenhearted. Lord, would you bind up the brokenhearted? Would you set at liberty them that have been bruised today? Will you bring good news to the poor? We're trusting, God, that today you're doing a work that only the Spirit of God can do. It's nothing that I can do. It's only something that the Spirit of God can do. Right now, I believe, God, you're doing a work deep in the hearts of your people. You can work in the pew as well as at an altar. So, God, right now, I know that the healing virtue of Jesus is flowing into those areas. Lord, some of those teenagers in the house that made vows to keep themselves pure, and those vows have already been broken. And they feel so ashamed. We break off that shame in Jesus' name. And we say we're going to get up and we're going to move on from here. We're going to move on from here. We're going to move on from here. It's not about my past. It's about where I'm going. So, Lord, I thank you that you're setting everybody up for success. When they leave this place today, they're going out into a world where you're setting them up for success. You said the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. That means their best days are not behind them. Their best days are ahead of them. And so may they go in that truth and that revelation today. And we just give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name.